BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome back to Football 24-7 on Jacob Sports. I'm your guy, Tony DeShields II, and I'm joined by our Eagles insider, John McMullen. First and foremost, before we get too deep into the nitty-gritty of the content, you guys know what to do. Smash that like button. Make sure you guys stay engaged in the content. Comment below in the live chat. And if you're, and if you're watching this live stream after the fact, if you aren't able to catch this thing live, that's all right. Comment below. Still tell us what you think. And also make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. And if you guys want more content from John McMullen, you guys know he's one of the best writers, one of the best journalists covering the Philadelphia Eagles. Check him out on SI.com and also check him out on JacobSports.com. So, John, man, first and foremost, how are you feeling today, man? I know it's been a long day for you. Uh, yeah, doing well. Uh, got to meet Alberto today. Uh Still working on it. He said his name. I had it for about 10 seconds, and now it's gone. <laughs> the pressure got to you? Pressure got to me. So, uh, now that was earlier this afternoon. So, yeah. But uh, nice kid. Um, you know, very big. Um, we'll see. Um, I don't think there's – I, I don't think long-term 
they're going to keep four tight ends on this roster. So I, I think, you know, he'll be given an opportunity to sort of compete with Grant Calcaterra. We'll see how long that competition lasts, but I don't expect both to be on the 53 man roster for an extended period. So it's going to be interesting and um, we'll see if he can then, you know, push and, and, and make the team. There's certainly traits, you know, he's what's called a traits-based prospect in the in the NFL. Hasn't really put it together in Denver, but 6'5", 258, runs a 4'49". Um, you know, enticing. And the Eagles really only gave up, if you think about it, draft positioning because they got a, a seventh-round pick back mm. uh, in 2025, and they – they gave up a six round pick. So essentially they just gave up the positioning between the six round pick and the seventh round pick. So not a ton. So I'm trying to think, right. A guy like Grant Cacatero, you know, he, you know, we, we, we've been bringing him up quite a bit, especially when it comes to that tight end two competition with him and Jack Stoll. Then you bring in uh, our guy, Albert. O. Uh, I'm going to start calling him that as well. Cause I know I can't pronounce the last name. I'm never going to try, <laughs> uh, but I got Albert. O here. Um, it's, it's fascinating because when Grant Calcaterra came out, uh, he had some traits as well, you know, some some pass catching traits. I mean, obviously he wasn't the most physically imposing, especially when it comes to run blocking, right, and getting physical. But you know, I, I, I've always taken to him as someone who uh, is more of a vertical tight end, a guy that can, you know, get it done in the passing game rather than in the run game. Um, but it seems like the Eagles are still not quite satisfied where he is in his development. You know, why do you think it's – uh, why, why do you think the Eagles haven't really been able to settle in on Grant Calcaterra for being that tight end two, let alone the tight end three? Well, I don't, I don't think there's any competition. Jack Stoll is kind of the the second tight end, and I think the Eagles like Jack. I think you know it's a different type of tight end. He's more of a blocker. Um, so you know they've kind of piecemeal it. They have Jack to do the blocking, Grant Calcaterra to do the receiving. Grant's kind of an oversized slot receiver, really, if you think about it from that standpoint. So, um, you know, uh, Albert is is a little bit more uh, physically impressive, imposing, faster, bigger, stronger, but he's not known for his blocking either. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's part of the reason why why Denver uh, decided to to turn the page on him. Yeah, uh, you know, relatively high fourth round pick uh, back in the day. So, you know, one of the things that you know, Matt Russell was the Broncos' vice per- president of, of player personnel when they drafted Albert, and he's here now as a senior. Um, personnel director. Um, so he knows him really well, drafted him. So there's some commonality from that standpoint. Um, it's just the typical um, Eagles dart throw. You know, if it works, great. If it doesn't work, it's not going to affect much. Um, but I think it's a worthy gamble because of the physical uh, traits. And if you can put it all together on your watch, um, maybe you have something. Um, hasn't happened yet, but still only 25 years old. Um, and again, the, you know, Denver informed him he was going to be waived, so they were moving on. Um, 
but the Eagles remember they they were 31st on, on the waiver claim list. So from their standpoint, if he got to waivers, only 24, I said it yesterday or on birds or, or maybe with you, we didn't do a show yesterday. So it was on birds. Right. Um, you know, only 24 players got claimed league wide. So I don't know if he would have gotten claimed, but if he did, you know, the Eagles were probably not getting them because of how low they were on the list. So you take a, you give up a little bit of draft, uh, as I said, slotting, um, and you're able to ensure that you get the player. Elaborate on how how much that waiver positioning that the Eagles have, you know, they, they're 31, like you said. You know, elaborate on how much that's affected their decision-making when it came to building this initial 53-man roster. I mean, not much. I mean, they knew they weren't going to – pick up a lot of people on waivers, even if they did claim them one, they're not claiming a lot of players because they're one of the deepest teams in the NFL. So, um, you know, I always joke that three is the number. If you claim three or more players, you're, you're a bad football team. Mm. Uh, three teams claim three or more players, Arizona, Carolina, Indianapolis, Hopefully Carolina claimed more O-linemen than anything. Well, it, thinking of it from this perspective, which I, I, I say this all the time about people that are fearful of waivers, um, you, the Eagles had a 90-man roster since April, you know, um, mid-April when they started this off-season program. So they worked with these people through the summer, and if you're Arizona, who's claimed, who claimed six players, they claimed another player today, that's a bad sign because you've been working with your own young players and you're saying, well, these guys aren't good enough. We have to go out and get people we're not familiar with, mm. we haven't worked with, we haven't done anything with, and the Eagles aren't like that. Now, I say if you claim one guy, not a big deal claimed two and the Eagles claimed two last year and went to the Super Bowl. You know, that's kind of how he wants to do something. He gets a little bit antsy, gets a little bit excited. You want to just, you know, it's something to add. It's something that makes you happy. But remember who they claimed last year, um, um, Tone. It was Ian Book and it was Trey Sermon. Where Where's Ian Book right now? Out. Where's Trey Sermon right now? Out. I mean, people get too worked up about waivers. I say it all the time. I guess, you know, I guess I think about it from this perspective. The Eagles kept more D linemen than we thought they would, right? And I I feel like because of their positioning on the waiver wire, that prompted them to keep more of the position that they deemed more valuable, right? Like they kept so many D linemen, but they kept so little wide receivers, for example, right? So I, I feel like their waiver position had to play some factor in their decision-making when it came to constructing that initial 53. What, you say so? Well, they're they're concerned about people. The, the Eagles and, and the Chiefs and the good teams are more susceptible to getting players claimed um, than obviously bad teams. So they're, they're more concerned. Eli Ricks would be the best example. They were concerned that, Eli Ricks was going to get claimed 
would he have? We'll never know. I'd still bet against it, but we'll never know. But their their sentiment was that um, he was more likely to be claimed than Makai Garner. I, you know, my sentiment was what they're going to have all three, and I include Mario Goodrich, and they have all three. <laughs> I mean, um, but they didn't risk losing Eli Ricks. They 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 risked losing Makai Garner. But again, nobody picked him up. Nobody claimed him on waivers. The the two people claimed on waivers were Kayvon Wallace and Josh Sills. And they're claimed by the Arizona Cardinals. Jonathan Gannon, very familiar with Kayvon Wallace and the Indianapolis Colts. Josh Sills of Shane Steichen, very familiar with Josh Sills. Eli Ricks is brand new. Makai Gardner's brand new. They're not, they wouldn't have been familiar with that particular player. So, but, you know, they ultimately, they got the players they wanted to keep all three of them. um, So it doesn't matter, but long-term. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to carry 13 defensive front players the whole season. Uh, I'd be surprised if there's 13 for week one, to be honest. There's still movement that's going to be made between now and next Tuesday. When when they hit the practice field on Wednesday for week one in New England preparation, that's when you know what their week one 53 will be locked in, will be locked in at that point. Not until then. Um, as an example, um, uh, the Eagles worked out three punters today. Um, and I know everyone is excited to move on from Aaron Sipas. So they worked out three punters. They worked out a long snapper. They worked out a linebacker. Um, you know, it was Blake Gillikin, Pat O'Donnell, Colby Wadman. Uh, Bradley Robinson was the long snapper. Kyle Sowell was the linebacker. Not exactly familiar names. Now, Punalytics says Blake Gillikin is the best Hold punter available. What was that again? Punalytics. Punalytics. Yeah, I've never even heard. Is that like a? Is that like the PFF for punters? It is. Uh, they, they, <laughs> and they, they know more about punting than me, so they say he's the best one available. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Obviously, the, the Eagles brought um, Aaron Seaposs back to the practice squad. So he's on the practice squad right now. Okay. Um, everybody wants Matt Ariza. I've seen no evidence that the Eagles are going to bring him in. So, I you know, I people can argue all they want. I don't think it's happening. Um, but if nobody impresses them, they're just going to elevate Aaron Seapos for three weeks and then probably put him back on the 53. Um, and now I, I, I would say, you know, be careful what you wish for if it's going to affect other things. Remember, the Eagles don't punt a lot. <laughs> they don't punt a lot. So they have one of the best offenses in football. On top of that, they go for it just about more than anybody else in plus territory. Um, so their punter's going to punt the football 
the least amount of just about anybody. Um, and Jake Elliott's very comfortable with Aaron Cipas. Um Something to think about. I I wouldn't I wouldn't go nuts about punter and worrying worrying about punter. Now, if you see somebody who's clearly an upgrade and Jake's comfortable enough with it, it's not going to affect his head. Um, then yeah, pull the trigger. But it's not just as cut and dry as I think people think it is. Yeah, you brought up that there are plenty more moves potentially on the horizon. What what moves do you anticipate? Well, I wouldn't. Philadelphia- I wouldn't say. I I wouldn't say plenty. But I mean, they 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 don't have a punter. All right, okay. week one on the fifty three. I'm talking about. They have okay. Aaron's on the practice squad. But there are moves remaining to be made. I mean, Harry Roseman. He he never rests, right? I guess. I, I guess what I'm. I guess what I'm trying to ask is, what moves do you anticipate them making going into the season? Well. <sighs> If they sign, let's use Blake as because he's supposed to be the best punter. If they sign Blake, he's probably going on the 53 um, right away. So then you have to make a move to to, to put him on the 53. Um, punt returner. Are they comfortable with an Alameda Zacchaeus? Maybe they'll give him a game and see how he handles it. Um, but remember, they also only have four receivers. Um, are they comfortable with that? Uh, so most of the movement, and, and we've talked about the defensive front, um, you know, they wanted to keep these guys for that initial 53, but we use that term initial for a reason. You see, if you go look at the NFL trans- transaction wire today, You'll see teams every day making a move, making a, you know, and, and the Eagles, you know, they can do what they did last year with Britton Covey and elevate Aaron C. Poss for three games if they want to, and they don't have to make a move on the 53. So you can do it short term, but you can't do it long term. Right. Um, you have to put these people on the 53 eventually. And there's certain guys, Contavious Street, I've argued. NFL player, good player, but you know, how deep do you have to go to get to Contavious Street? Right. You got to play Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter and Milton Williams and Marley Marlon Tui Pelotu. You don't want to lose Moro Ajomo. How deep do you have to go to Contavious Street? And he's only here for one year. He signed a one year deal. He's a veteran player. Um, you don't have special teams. I thought you don't have special teams coverage players. You know, on 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 the practice squad, you have Ben Bansumer and you have Kyron Johnson, you have uh, Makai Gardner. Those are three of their best six or seven coverage players on special teams. You can't elevate them all. Um. So unless you want to um, hang Michael Clay out to dry, dry, you got to figure out how to get some of those guys back on the 53. Maybe they're holding out for a trade, Derek Barnett or Contavious Street. Um, you know, that's what teams do. Uh, Pittsburgh kept two punters uh, right. on their was, initial 53. That had to be a bargaining chip for them. 
yeah, they were trying to trade and, you know, but GMs, most GMs aren't stupid. They know Pittsburgh's not going to be able to carry two punters. So they just wait until they release them. Vikings tried to do it with our buddy Jalen Rager. They're like, oh, we don't want to. Nobody believed it. You know, you they bloated stuff to Adam Schefter and they say, oh, teams are calling about Jalen Rager. No, they're not. The Vikings are trying to trade him. They want to get something for him. Ultimately, nobody nobody took the bait, and they had to wave him. That's sort of what happens. And, yeah, so until Wednesday comes around, um, and it's not just the Eagles, it's everybody else, the Patriots, who – the Eagles' week one opponent, their initial 53 had one quarterback, Tom. One quarterback. Right, yeah. They cut a Zappy and a Cunningham, right? Yeah, and they just claimed uh, Matt Corral today. So, um, you know, everybody's tweaking and changing. You know, you brought up the, the, uh, the Patriots, and that drives the conversation forward perfectly. You know, I've been thinking about this matchup, and I don't know, John, I feel like there are a lot of people – underestimating uh, what this Patriots team could potentially do to the Philadelphia Eagles. I understand the Eagles are a much more talented team, but the Patriots are very well coached all around the board. And that's not something I take lightly. Uh, I don't, I don't, you know, well, lightly, I don't take uh, Bill, Bill, uh, Bill O'Brien lightly. I don't take uh, Bill Belichick lightly. Right. So, you know, think about it from that perspective, you know, what should the, what should, what should, what should be the Eagles main concern? Entering that matchup, um, I I think um, the Patriots want to be those teams, and I I talked about this with Eric Edholm uh, this morning from NFL Media. Um, the Patriots might be one of the, the those teams that uh, zig when everybody else is zagging. Um. They're not an explosive offensive team. So as you see, everybody kind of is going in the same direction. Um, undersized players, hybrid safeties, hybrid linebackers, undersized players. And, you know, I've been waiting for somebody to say, hey, there's a bunch of undersized guys on the other side. Let's try to run the football. That might be the New England Patriots this year. Um and if, it, if they do that against week one, they play a clean game. They're at home. It's Tom Brady day. Eagles fans should have learned from last year in Detroit. Those home openers are difficult because everybody's fired up. You know, the Brady stuff's only going to amp it up even further. It's going to be a difficult environment. Um, ultimately, I think a similar thing is going to happen. They're going to ultimately out-talent New England and probably win the game, but it's probably going to be a little bit more difficult than people think is how I would, uh, my early thought process on that game, probably a little bit more difficult than people think, just like Detroit last year. Like you said, the, the, the Patriots are going to try to out muscle you, right? They're going to try to out physical you at the point of attack. And, you know, they have a running back over there who maybe isn't considered one of the best, but I think I, I would consider him productive. He had just over, I believe, 1,300 yards of or 1,400 yards of total offense, you know, uh, passing, uh, re- receiving and 
running the ball. You know, also this Philadelphia Eagles defense stopping the run was their issue, right? And we and we talk about this all the time, John. The Eagles aren't necessarily trying to stop the run. But what happens when you, you run up against a team that that's all they're trying to do really is run the ball. You think about that Washington game. They pretty much was, you know, bullying them at the point of attack and the Eagles ultimately got worn down. You know, how do the Eagles safeguard against that, especially in week one, knowing it's a, uh, a toxic environment for them on the road on Brady Day? Yeah, I mean, they have to be ready to be malleable. And that we'll see if Sean Desai maybe is a little bit more malleable because, yeah, nine times out of ten, <clears throat> you know, that's what the Fangio defense is. It's about, you know, we we always talk about plus one in the running game with Jalen Hurts and other quarterbacks who can run the football like Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, et cetera. Um what the big Fangio defense is about is plus one in the passing game. Your extra defender is in coverage. Well, it's not as dramatic, but it's always, a, it's like playing Navy in, in college football. You know, a lot of people have trouble with Navy and the triple option because they never see it and they can't practice for it. And you can't justify practicing for it because nobody else runs it. You know, your entire schedule you're never going to see it again. Um, and they, you know, occasionally will jump up and bite somebody because of that. Um, and some other triple options. There's a couple other triple option teams as well. But um, it's not like that in the NFL. But the whole scheme is built on stopping the passing game and stopping explosive plays. And if you, and again, nine times out of 10, you know, next week, week two, you're going to be facing Minnesota. That's how you want to play because they have Jefferson and Osborne, and now they have Jordan Addison. They have a quarterback who throws the football. That's how you say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill want to play but new england you don't want to play that way because they don't have explosive playmakers outside uh they don't have a quarterback who's prolific throwing the football um but they can run it um and you you need to be malleable like i talk i you know you might see zach cunningham playing 60 snaps in week one and you know they play on thursday night in week two and 15 snaps in week two um if sean decides doing the right thing and we'll see we'll we'll see you know jumping over to the offensive side of the ball right with brian johnson you know he's taking over as oc for shane steichen we know how productive of that shane steichen uh, offensive identity was uh, we saw how productive Jalen Hurts was. Um, I'm curious to know what are some of your uh, key performance indicators that will you know show you that this offense um, isn't going to miss a beat? Health. Mm. <laughs> I mean, th- this offense is going to be good. 
um, if everybody's healthy. I mean, they're too good. They're they're too good. They have think about last year. They had nine of the eleven who were either all pro, pro bowl, or pro bowl alternate. Nine out of eleven. And the tenth one, the two that weren't, the tenth one is one of their best players, Dallas Goddard. He didn't get anything because he was injured for five right. games. That's the only reason. Otherwise, it would have been 10 or, uh, of 11. Yeah. And the only other one is Quez Watkins. Um, 10 of 11? <laughs> I mean. I, I, yeah, I like those eyes. I like those eyes, John. I'll yeah. be honest. <laughs> uh, you, you got the best right tackle in football. Nick Sirianni calls him the best right tackle in the world, which is redundant. Because uh, nobody else plays football but the United States, but uh, Jason Kelsey, Hall of Famer, um, Jordan Mailata is tremendous. Um, Landon Dickerson's in the Pro Bowl in the second year. Yeah, Cam Jurgens probably not going to be up to the level of Isaac Samalo early, but still pretty talented kid. Goddard, tremendous. Um, AJ, Devontae, running backs aren't as certain, but I mean, they're going to out talent people on offense. So I'm not too concerned about that. So you think this Patriots matchup is just strictly just out talent them? Like, what do you think? Yeah. What do you think their game plan going into that game is? How do you think they want to attack Bill Belichick's defense? Um, well, you know, by the way, that the the Patriots have a good defense. So the Patriots, um, you know, they're going to make things difficult. That's one of, that's one of the, the tougher, uh, it's actually back to back because Brian Flores is in, uh, Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't think they have the talent yet, but he's going to make that deep. That defense was atrocious last year. He's going to make that defense middle of the road. He, he's that good um, as a coach, as a defensive coach. I don't know if it's about a head coach, but as a defensive coach, he's loved the guy off the charts. Um, and obviously – you know, Bill Belichick. They're they're going to make things as difficult as possible defensively. But again, I think the Eagles will ultimately. They have so many playmakers, and they're they'll. You know, it's a it's a good test because I always say that. You know, the NFL is a copycat league, and it is, and it's cliche, but it's a slow moving copycat league. So when people looked at the Eagles last year and they said, wow, they're doing this, they're doing that. The adjustments really don't come until the off season when people can sit down and study what made them so successful. So people are going to adjust. They're going to try to take away what Jalen Hurts does best as much as possible. The Eagles are going to have to counter uh, adjust, so to speak. And if there's anybody um, that can do it well, it's Bill Belichick. Yeah, He's I mean, known for taking and away that's his what strength. I mean. You know, probably the, you know, we talk about the schedule and the best teams are later in the schedule, but the best coaches to be tested are early. Mm, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, especially defensively. 
uh, because it's Belichick followed by uh, Flores. Um, and they're going to be, they're going to come up with good plans. Um, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a good test. Good plans indeed. Uh, whether those players can execute it, uh, that's going to be the issue. And I think, like you said, I think ultimately the talent is going to um, bring the Philadelphia Eagles uh, over that over that hill. Um, I want to ask you about, you know, Nick Sirianni. You know, he's entering year three as the Eagles head coach. Uh, what's been your evaluation of Nick Sirianni thus far? And uh, has he exceeded, fallen short of, or has he met your expectations? As a coach, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's been far better than anybody expected um, through two years. I mean, I don't know too many people who had the Eagles in the in the playoffs coming off the final year of the Doug Peterson era, um, and I don't know too many people that picked the Eagles to go to the Super Bowl last year. I mean. It's a production-based league, and he's produced. Um, so there's not much criticism to levy at Nick Sirianni right now. Um, you know, but the expectations are so extreme this time around. It's going to be really difficult um, to to live up to the expectations, and this is going to be his biggest test. But, you know, the NFC isn't very good on paper. It's not nearly as deep as the AFC. The Eagles are clearly the most talented team. Um, and and we'll see if they can cash in. But they're still, boy, they're still, you know, five defensive starters. Um, you know, I, I saw it was a great rant by my buddy Shield Kapadia. A tremendous rant about uh, Jonathan Gannon, who um, people should uh, go watch it on his uh, podcast, The Ringer Philly Special, because um, Shields great. But you know, he wanted to cut off the criticism of Sean Desai. You know, and I've heard this from another people saying, "Well, the Eagles were so good talent wise last year," and. They were, but I mean, I, if Gannon was back, if Hargrave was back, this has been my point since the beginning. If if CJ's back, if Marcus Epps is back, TJ's back, yeah. Kaiser White's back, everybody's back. They're not going to have the same year they had last year. It's not possible. They're not getting 70 sacks. They're not getting this extreme turnover advantage it's a regression to the mean theory um and it generally holds up pretty well um so things are going to be much tougher this season um and i'm going to be interested to hear to see how the eagles handle these expectations because i mean they're out of whack Town, they're no, out I mean, of whack I, to the I, I point. Mean, to the point, I've heard it all the time. Like people are acting like making the Super Bowl is not an accomplishment. I'm I'm a little greedy, you know, but but I'm biased. So don't so disregard, you know, my greed. Uh, you know, 
I'm a, I'm, I'm, it's no shame in my game, John. I, I'm an Eagles fan. And you, well, <laughs> it, 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 well, I ask you this because you're an Eagles fan. I'll ask you right. this: How many times in the Super Bowl era have the Eagles made the Super Bowl? And that, my friend, is unfortunately disappointing in and of itself. But I only, I only can speak for the the, the time that I was alive, right? That's, that's, that's all I can really speak for. Well, there's 57 and, of them, right? There's 57 of them. And we know they won one, and we know they lost three. So, you know, they were it's, hard. it's hard. It's hard to make the Super Bowl. It is very, very difficult to make the Super Bowl. I know people are disappointed. I'm with you. I think the Eagles were the better team. Mm -hmm. They should have won the football game. They didn't play well defensively mm -hmm. in the second half. You know, Aaron Seaposs with the bad punt, Jalen Hurts with the unforced error. They were the better football team. Mm -hmm. And it's extremely disappointing that they didn't win the football game. It hurts, John. I know. It hurts. But that does not mean <laughs> that does not mean it wasn't an accomplishment. <sighs> it was a tremendous accomplishment. It is the best team I've ever covered. It was better than the team that won the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. It was better than the 15-1 and one Minnesota team that I covered with Randy Moss and Randall Cunningham. They were better, but they didn't finish the deal. Um, I'm, still, assume, I'm still bitter, John. I'm still bitter. Um, but the bitterness but, is not the bitterness is not the point. The, my know, point my point is to assume that's going to happen again is, you know, lightning doesn't strike too often back to back. Yeah, no. I think I think you said something really interesting that pertains to that, right? The fact that the matter is, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles or I put it this way, Jalen Hurts can actually improve as a quarterback, but the Eagles can have a worse record. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, oh yeah. I remember I remember you you know bringing that up, and that's such an interesting you know concept because you know as fans, you know, we we attach so much of we attach success to these very. Uh, static things things that aren't really fluid you know what i mean like the yes making the super bowl was an accomplishment especially for a guy like jalen hurts right especially for nick sirianni's career like no one expected those guys as a tandem to be able to make it that far yet they did that um yet us as fans were still unsatisfied because of the result and the way it happened but i think what was for me the consolation prize for me at least was seeing the level that Jalen Hurts was able to take his game to. And now it remains to be seen if that's sustainable for years to come. I think he can sustain that. Um, but again, it all remains to be seen. It's going to be exciting to see in this 2023 season. Yeah. I mean, and everything's a sliding scale because right. uh, obviously the, the talent around them changes from year to year um, injuries. I mean, that's a big part of the Eagles were extremely healthy. Um, you know, people ask me all the time, what could derail the Eagles season? I always go to, you know, people say, well, they don't have linebackers. They don't have safeties, right. the running backs, blah, blah, blah. Offensive line. Um, that's what I go to. They have two injuries on the offensive line. Boom. Season's over. Now, by that, I mean 
Super Bowl aspirations right over. Um, because they don't have the depth they once had on the on the offensive line. And look, if you lose Lane Johnson, you can't replace Lane Johnson. If you lose Jason Kelsey, you can't replace Jason Kelsey. They're actually, you know, Cam Jurgens is actually the you know pretty good backup, but then you got to deal with right guard. Um, it, it, you know, AJ I was talking to Eric. I mentioned Eric Edholm. One of those two guys gets injured, AJ or Devontae. Whole whole offense is different. You you saw, and I talked about it all the time. AJ was the final piece of the puzzle on that offense. Everything fell into place. Mm. Everything fell perfectly into place. Um, Devontae wasn't ready to be a one, but he was a great two. Um, you know, maybe now he's ready to be a one, but you're not going to have a great two if it's Devontae and Quez Watkins or Alameda Zacchaeus. So, I mean, health is the biggest thing, but it right. always is. It's for everybody. If if you get the wrong injuries at the right places, any team can be derailed. And obviously the quarterback is, you know, most important of all. Um so, you know, special is special, and last season was special. And a lot of people seem to think it wasn't, which is bizarre to me, to be honest. A lot of emotions are are, are, are tied up in that, John, mine included. Um, really quickly, though, before we get out of here, final question. Um, you know, we've been talking about this offense and this defense players. Uh, you know, throughout the season, we've talked about players who had a lot of pressure, so on and so forth. Um, who do you think – is who, who do you think are, are poised to make the biggest jump in the 2023 season? Give me one offensive guy and one defensive guy. Who are those, who are those two players to you that are poised to make um, the biggest jump? Well, offense is easy to me because he didn't play last year, and he's. I think he's going to be a good player, and that's Cam Jurgens. Um, obviously, you know, probably a little bit of a downtick from Isaac, but. I think he's going to be a, a solid player pretty much from the get-go. Uh, defensively, similar. He didn't play. And now the Eagles got everything on him. And that's N'Kobe Dean. Hmm. I mean, he played 34 reps last year. And now he's the quarterback of the defense. Um, so I would say, obviously, and I said this on the show this morning, verse 365, Obviously, the most important player on the Eagles is Jalen Hurts. Uh, so he's the quarterback. Um, but you can make a strong argument the second most important player is N'Kobe Dean, quarterback of the defense. Um, so those are the two. And I think he's a, a good player, and I think he's going to be fine. My questions with N'Kobe have to deal with durability. You know, he's already been hurt in, in training camp twice. Um TJ Edwards played 20 games last year, 95% of the snaps. Can you see N'Kobe Dean playing 20 games through the Super Bowl with 95% of the snaps? Uh, I, I really, I'll be honest with you, John. I, seeing TJ Edwards build, you know, seeing how he carried himself, you know, just physically and how he transformed his body, you know, N'Kobe's, you know, so young, you know, TJ had time to really, you know, build that up, you know, 
you know, being on practice squads and eventually making a roster and so on and so forth. He had some time to build that up. And Kobe, man, I mean, again, I'm with you. I don't think it's a talent issue or a football IQ issue. I'm more concerned. I'm more so concerned about can he hold up? And I'm yeah. and, I, and I'm I'm very, I'm very unsure about it. Well, you have to be. I mean, he hasn't done it before, so um, and and you know, it's hard playing twenty games. And that, by the way, wasn't only TJ. Was Kaiser played twenty games? Um, yeah. yeah. Marcus played twenty games. Marcus Epps, uh, uh, Slay, and Bradbury completely healthy. Yeah. Um, that's not uh, also again, like you said, just how the sacks and the turnover differential, those kind of things, don't repeat itself. Having this level of consistency when it comes to health, you know, you got to be blessed by the best to have this thing last for a long time, and it usually doesn't. No, and that's just a, you know, an odds thing. Um, and we, you know, Hassan Rice is going to be playing with uh, some kind of protective um, apparatus on his thumb. He's going to play. How is he going to be? as effective without the ability to use um, his hand. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Nolan Smith finally got back to practice. That's a good sign, but he missed five straight practices. He gave that weird quote about his shoulder being his baby. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> I'm like looking at him like, oh, what, what the hell does that mean? Mm. Um, I'm a little concerned about that. Um yeah, I I mean, but injuries, you know, that's baked into everything. You can't legislate them. You can't. It's not like you can sit and worry about them. I mean, you play the guys if they're healthy. If they're not, you got to go in a different direction. Um, I'm just talking purely odds. The odds are you aren't going to be as healthy as you were last year. Um, and again, I. You know, I, I mean, I mean, we're in this Ricky Bobby society. I call it all the time that <laughs> if, 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 you know, there's no, I think people forget that's a great movie. People forget it. You know, there's Ricky's father. If you're not first, yeah, you're not, you know, uh, you're last, you know, right. and at the end of the movie, you know, he was a drunk and he's saying, what do you mean? I didn't, I, I you know, it's like, you could be second. You could be third. What do, what do you mean? That's dumb. Um. Yeah, they had a very successful season. I saw somebody in the chat say, "A uh, special would have been a, a a trip down Broad Street for the parade." All right, that's what I'm talking about, man. I mean, fifty-seven. Uh, you know, it's Super Bowl fifty-seven. You know what that means, right? It means there were fifty-seven of them. All right. So <laughs> it ain't it ain't easy. They never should have gave us the one. Now, yeah. n- now we're insatiable. <laughs> it it is not easy to win a Super Bowl, and Tom Brady kind of skewed it as well. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's another thing too. Uh, that that because when, when you think about it, there are thirty two teams in the NFL. There's been fifty seven Super Bowls. The Eagles have made four of them. I mean, when you think about every, it's, it's some teams that have never even been there. So I mean. You bring up you, you bring up an interesting point, John. I mean, maybe I do need to alter or somewhat um 
finesse my perspective. Um, I don't know. It's hard for me to. If you're not, like I said, we, we I don't know when it changed. I don't think it had to do with the movie, but you know, the whole if you're not first, you're last. You know, I, I used to talk about it on on the radio about the Sixers during the process and this mentality oh. of it's championship or bust. It's championship or bust. Well, if it's championship or bust, you're going to be disappointed for the majority of your sporting life if you're a fan because it doesn't work that way. It, it's hard to win. I think everybody, Sixers... guess what? Everybody else is trying to win too. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know. The Sixers are a different case though. They, they, they're, they're another case study. Well, I just mean the whole mentality of, right, I think right. in a lot of ways, I think the Sixers broke Philadelphia because I think they're responsible for the mentality of, if you're not first, you're last here locally, mm. um, championship or bust. Um, you know, it's about a championship as opposed to in the old days, you know, the athletes would take pride in going to a losing situation and building it up and turning it around. Not everybody, but a lot of them. Uh, these days, it's more of let me pick where is already good and chase a ring. Um, and it's not good or bad, but it's, it's hard to, it's hard to win. It's, it's hard to win. It's hard to win Super Bowls, And, you know, that's why I'm not saying it shouldn't be disappointing because the Eagles were the right, better right. team. I got you. That's not your point. Your point is yeah. the, the bottom line. It's, it, it's a difficult task. And, you know, to think that everything is going to bounce your way so you can get to the promised land, that's just not how the sport works. Like we saw in the Super Bowl, the better team lost that game. You know, there yeah. were some there were some things that just didn't bounce your way. And um, you know, that's you know, that's just you know, sometimes that's just the way the cookie crumbles. John, you know, I've kept you for long enough, my man. I really appreciate you. Uh, you've been tremendous as always, my man. Uh, you guys make sure you smash that like button, make sure you guys check John out on si.com and check him out on jacobsports.com he does a lot of writing uh, you know for both platforms and he's really great at it one of the best uh eagles reporters in the market right now and i'm willing to bet i'm willing to bet a month's salary on that <laughs> but nonetheless though john's my guy man you guys smash that like button stay engaged with the content make sure you guys are subscribed to the jacob sports youtube channel i'm your guy tony just a second he's john mcmullen you guys were locked in on football 24 7 take care Enjoy the rest of your day.